Join me for a word of prayer, if you would, this morning. Loving God, as we continue our study on the book of James, open our hearts, open our minds, help us to grow. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and you are our redeemer. Amen. I want to begin this morning by saying happy Father's Day to all of our fathers, grandfathers, stepfathers. Uh, today is your day, uh, our day. I hope that you know we are grateful for who you are, for what you do for your family, uh, for what you mean to your family. And I hope that you feel celebrated today uh, as we lift up uh, all of our fathers. Today I want you to stop and think back to what you were doing on New Year's Eve as we prepared to turn the page from 2019 into 2020. Our family went to an early uh, kid-friendly party and then Megan took Wade, our three-year-old home, and I took the older two, uh, Montgomery and Clayton, over to a, a friend's house uh, to celebrate New Year's just a, a little bit more. And later that night, we watched the ball drop in New York City and then the uh, guitar uh, drop in downtown Nashville. And my kids like to stay up as late as they possibly can on New Year's Eve because they think that that's, uh, that that's a lot of fun. Well, little did any of us know on that night what 2020 would have in store. For our family, 2019 was a tough year. Our daughter Montgomery was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, which brought a lot of challenges and changes to our family. Then towards the end of 2019, we lost a, a very close friend, Melissa Wadi, uh, who passed away from cancer uh, in December. So we were ready to turn the page from 2019 into 2020, but little did any of us know what 2020 would have in store. An impeachment hearing, a global pandemic that's still going on that would infect millions of people across the globe and, and take uh, about 115,000 American lives so far. An economic shutdown that would lock up our economy and put the stock market in a free fall, leave 20 million people unemployed or, or furloughed and out of work, forcing Congress to pass unprecedented uh, stimulus bills, multiple stimulus bills. Our kids would not be allowed to come back from uh, spring break and they had to stay home. So our homes turned into schools and we started uh, what is now known as distance learning. We were all advised to work from home and to wear masks whenever we went out in public, and that's still going on. People became scared to death because of how contagious the coronavirus is and how fast it was spreading. We haven't had a worship service inside of this building since Sunday, March the 8th. That's over three months that we haven't gathered inside to worship in our church building. 
A few weeks ago on Memorial Day, we know what happened. Uh, an unarmed man was uh, killed in Minneapolis while he was in the custody of police, and that set off a firestorm across the country, protests, marches, racial tension, riots, looting, the burning of police precincts, the burning of businesses. If somebody had told you that all of this was going to happen in 2020 on New Year's Eve, would you have believed them? Or would you have told them that they were crazy? The truth of the matter is we are all limping into these summer months, emotionally exhausted, tired, worn out, wondering when our culture might catch a break, wondering what we can do to make things better as individuals, as families, as a church, as a community. What role can we play? And I would argue this morning that many of the answers that we are searching for can be found in Scripture if we look there and if we are open to finding them. James chapter 5 says this, Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. First, I want to talk about patience this morning. 2020 has been a serious test of our patience. Every single one of us has had to work on our patience. We've had to patiently wait for the coronavirus to stop disrupting our lives and the way we live and interact. We've had to patiently wait for race relations to get better in this country, and many people have run out of patience, and, and understandably so. We're still waiting patiently for our kids to go back to school uh, in August, and some people are still wondering if that's going to happen and what that's going to look like for restaurants to reopen fully, for a vaccine to be developed, for life to feel normal. But we all know that our culture is not very patient. We want what we want when we want it. So many of Jesus' teachings have to do with patience. Think about it, the sower and the seed, the wheat and the tares, the parables of the kingdom, having patience with our enemies, turning the other cheek, forgiving 70 times seven, praying without ceasing, and so many other teachings. Christ talks about patience. Patience is a Christian virtue. We all need to practice patience in our daily lives because it's vitally important to our mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. You know, I've found that nothing can try your patience more than being a father. As your kids grow older, they find a way to test your patience over and over again. 
They don't do the things that you ask. They don't listen the way you want them to listen. And I don't know about you, but there's usually one child that can really try your patience. And uh, for me, that would be my son, Clayton. I love him dearly, but he helps me work on my patience on a regular basis. I think what James is saying to us is that the spiritual life requires patience. 2020 has required patience. The shorter we are on patience, the more frustrated we get. In fact, that might be one of the greatest lessons from this pandemic. Slow down. Quit living at such a rapid speed. Quit taking so many things on. It's exhausting. It's unsustainable. It's, it's not what God wants us to do. Secondly, James continues in this passage by talking about how patience is tied to endurance. He says, as an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Indeed, we call blessed those who showed endurance. You have heard of the endurance of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And then James finishes by saying this, above all, my beloved, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Fathers, mothers, that's good advice. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. I think everything that we have been going through this year has tested us spiritually. And there are days when we feel like we're up for the test and there are days when we feel like we're not up for the test. And the problem with everything that's happened is that one thing has built on the next. A pandemic, a lockdown, a shutdown economy, racial tension, protests, violence, upheaval, all happening in a small window of time. Any of these things in and of themselves would be enough to face in a given year, but we've had to face all of them back to back and at once. And so if you're like me, then there are days when you don't even know what to focus on because there are so many things that are coming at us from different directions. There's so many things that are happening all at once. The primary goal of the Christian faith is for us to become more like Christ. That's what it means to be a Christian, to follow Jesus Christ and to try to become more and more like him every day in the way that we act, in the way that we talk, in the way that we treat other people. And if we can become more like Christ, then we can become more spiritual, more patient, more loving, more understanding. Henry Nouwen has been somebody whose writings have played a big role in my spiritual life. In addition to the scriptures, uh, I've always looked at, at Nouwen's work as well as others like Frederick Beekner and uh, N.T. Wright, 
uh, as a kind of a complement, a supplement to the, to the scriptures. And Nowen wrote this great book years ago called Spiritual Formation. Uh, and he says this, he says, spiritual formation prepares us for a life in which we move away from our fears, compulsions, resentments, and sorrows to serve with joy and courage in the world, even when this leads us to places that we would rather not go. He says, spiritual formation helps us to see the face of God in the midst of a hardened world and also in our own heart. And in that book, Spiritual Formation, Henry Nouwen identifies five key movements or shifts that all of us need to focus on if we want to grow in our faith and if we want to grow in our spiritual lives. And so I want to share these with you today on Father's Day because I think that these are so important, especially in light of everything that's been going on in 2020. The first shift that Nowen talks about is that we need to move from fear to love. And the primary way that we do this is through the power of prayer. There's too much fear in this world. There's not enough love. What does it say in 1 John? It says, perfect love casts out fear. Nowen says, as long as our sense of self depends on what other people think and say about us, and how they respond to us, then we are no longer free but fearful. He says, we must choose love over anxiety. We must begin to understand at a deep level that we live surrounded by love and in communion with God, no matter what the external circumstances might be saying. Taking time in life to breathe and to be still to be in God's presence, that's something that people are doing less and less often. But prayer and reflection is absolutely essential to living a spiritual life. There's so much fear in our world. There's so much fear in our culture. There's too much anxiety. There's too much tension. And it's coming at us all the time in so many different directions. But we need to be still. We need to be quiet. And we need to cut off the noise and the distractions and listen to what God is saying to us. The second shift that Nowen identifies is that we need to move from sorrow to joy. He says, the question is not whether you have experienced loss in your life, but rather how you live your losses. Are you hiding them? Are you pretending that they're not real? Are you refusing to share them? Are you blaming someone else for them? All of this is unhealthy. Pain and loss is a part of life. It's a part of change, and we all have to deal with it. We can't run from it. We can't just escape it with alcohol and drugs and shopping and, 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 and toys and, and other things. Sometimes we just try to distract ourselves from our pain so that we don't have to face it. We don't have to deal with it. And it always comes back uh, to, to find us later. We don't necessarily get over things in life, but I believe that we get through things in life. I'll never get over my mother's suicide, but I've worked really hard to, to get through it. You don't get over a devastating divorce that you didn't want to happen, but you work hard to get through it. 
You don't get over the betrayal of a close friend, but you work hard to get through it. There's a difference between getting over something and getting through it. And part of the spiritual life is learning to work through our pain, to process it, to unpack it so that we can experience real joy. And remember, joy is different from happiness. Everybody in our culture wants to talk about happiness and how can you be happy? But happiness is superficial, it's fleeting, it comes and goes, but joy is much deeper. It has staying power, it lasts longer, and we can experience joy during both the good times of life and during the difficult times of life. The third shift that he talks about is that we must move from turmoil to peace. And one of the ways that we do this, I think, is to simplify our lives. We need to move from turmoil to peace right now. We have to become realistic about what we can and what we can't take on, what we can and what we can't change. We live in a culture where multitasking and being busy all the time is admired and it's celebrated. But remember, the things that often make us successful in the secular world, producing, multitasking, accomplishing, getting things done, that often works against success in the spiritual life. Let me say that again. The things that often make us successful in the secular world are often the same things that keep us from being successful in the spiritual life. Every day and every night does not have to be booked up. The pace of the world is out of control and all of us can fall victim to it. The only way that we can experience peace is if we take the time to slow down and not run ourselves into the ground. We take the time to turn off the news, turn off social media, detach from some of that noise because it's constant and it doesn't ever stop. And peace is something that we have to actively work to pursue. And peace is also tied to justice, and we have to remember that. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. And then he says, let not your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. The fourth shift that we need to lift up this morning is that we have to move from coldness to kindness. People are not as nice as they once were. And I think part of the reason for this is that everybody's on edge. After everything that's happened from the end of March until the middle of June, everybody is exhausted and on edge. And so they have a difficult time being kind. Spiritual emptiness in our culture manifests itself in the way that we treat each other. We are often projecting what's going on in our own heart. We're projecting that onto other people. And there's more to being a Christian than just being nice, just being kind. But I've always said that it has to start there. If you miss that part, you miss a really big piece of it. Be kind because everybody is fighting some kind of battle and you just don't know what it is. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, treat others the way you want to be treated. What a concept. Imagine a world where everybody lived by that rule we call the golden rule. Something else. Be kind to yourself. Do self-care. 
Take care of yourself physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. You know, so many people are so hard on themselves. They put so much pressure on themselves. They fail to forgive themselves. And and if you do that, then it's going to be really hard for you to treat other people with decency and with respect. So be kind to yourself. Let God love you. Lastly this morning, Nowen's final movement in the spiritual life He says, we must move from resentment to gratitude. He identifies or defines resentment this way. Resentment is a a passion, a paralyzing set of complaints that makes us feel angry and frustrated with the people and the institutions on which we have made ourselves dependent. And although resentment is less frightening and less visible than the violent outbursts of anger, it's no less destructive. In fact, we could say that that resentment lies at the heart of anger. The two are connected. They're tied together. So many of us have so much pent-up resentment and anger over things that have happened in the past or towards people that have hurt us or disappointed us. And, and, and then that turns us into a prisoner in our own body which is why Jesus talks so much about forgiveness. Forgiveness is the only way out of that state. Now and says resentment is one of the most vicious qualities of life because it makes human relationships and community life so difficult. It prevents us from seeking forgiveness and it robs us of our joy. And I would argue today that all of us, all of us, Every single one of us would like to experience more joy in our lives, more joy in our families, more joy in our relationships. And there's a way to do that, to pay attention to the spiritual life, to the state of your heart, the state of your soul. Pay attention to these five movements that Henry Nouwen has lifted up. As we move ahead and get ready for the second half of 2020, a lot of people are saying, enough, I don't want to know what the second half of 2020 has in store. But I believe that the second half of 2020 can be better. I believe that it can be hopeful. I believe that that we can work to move our hearts and our society into a better place. We can take on the many challenges that face us day in and day out. But we have to pay attention to these things. Fathers, on this Father's Day, we we have to pay attention to how these different shifts happen in our marriages, in our families, uh, in our friend communities, in our work communities. And then like James says in chapter 5, we have to work hard to develop patience and to develop endurance in the face of it all. And part of being in a community together is that we can encourage each other to do that every step of the way. Amen.